Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. Hi, Jets fans, and welcome to the July 3rd Random Thoughts podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. So let's get rolling with number one. It turned out to be a very busy and very eventful week for the Winnipeg Jets, and depending on who you talk to, a pretty good week. I'm on the pretty good week side of the ledger. There is a segment of Jet fans, mostly on social media, that criticize and piss and moan about everything the Jets do. You can't please everybody, especially Johnny Shitstein and the rest of the basement bloggers. You know, I, I don't know what it is. It just seems that the, the people that are the loudest and most vocal, of course, those are the ones that you see on social media the most. And it seems like nothing that the Jets or Chevy can do pleases them. They always have a better idea. Well, <laughs> it's not that easy being the GM, you know, of an NHL team. And uh, I would think that uh, based on what I've seen so far, was a I thought it was a pretty good week. And uh, I'm just going to let it go at that. Uh, number two, Chevy took care of priority number one by trading forward Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Los Angeles Kings for forwards Alex Ayafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and Gabriel Velarde, and <laughs> the kicker, Montreal's second pick in the 2024 draft. Uh, that pick actually wasn't... Uh, the, the irony of it wasn't lost on most Jets fans, and they had a pretty good chuckle with that. But uh, moving on, this deal could have been a disaster, but I think the Jets received pretty good value considering... They were backed into a corner. PLD and his agent, Pat Brisson, deserve some kudos for working with the Jets and actually screwing the Habs. There are a lot of pissed off fans in Montreal that were counting their chickens way before they hatched. You know, ever since PLD said he'd, uh, he wanted to go to Montreal, and that was like over a year ago, uh, Hab fans have uh, been uh, anticipating his arrival. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is you know, you, you see all the uh, the trade scenarios that their, their fan base was offering, and it was all junk. And I'll say this. It's not that the Jets didn't want to trade PLD to Montreal. Montreal was offering mostly futures, and Jets didn't want futures. They wanted guys that actually, actually could play in their lineup. They weren't, like they said, we've heard it a million times. Uh, they're not interested in the rebuild. So I totally get... Totally get that. And luckily, it was a couple weeks ago, it was reported by the insiders that uh, there was a chance now that Pierre-Luc Dubois was changing some focus and uh, expanding his list of teams. And Los Angeles was one of the rumored ones, and uh, that came true. And uh, uh, the Jets uh, the Jets and Chevy did, did a really nice job. Uh, they got some good pieces, plus a future draft pick. So uh, all in all, for me, no complaints. Uh, I think the Jets did very well in this trade. Obviously, the key piece for the Jets was Gabriel Velarde, who's, uh, after a couple of injuries early in his career, has settled in to be a pretty, pretty good, solid hockey player that will fit into the Jets' top six. Uh, they received Alex Ayafalo, who was uh, an up-and-down-the-lineup guy that does not hurt your team, hard-working guy. And uh, they got Rasmus Kupari, who was a late first-rounder that's got size and can skate like the wind, and he'll definitely get a solid opportunity to contribute to the Winnipeg Jets. So, uh, 
Yeah, well done, Chevy. Let's move on to number three. Based on the rankings from most of the credible NHL draft sites, I had my eyes on, uh, or had my, <laughs> had my eyes on Braden Yeager from the Moose Jaw Warriors for the Jets, but Pittsburgh selected him four spots before us. I also had my eye on Colby Barlow, but thought he'd be long gone before the Jets picked at number 18. I couldn't believe he was available at 18, and as every pick that went by with him still on the board, I was getting hopeful. But I was also very aware that Oliver Moore and Gabriel Perot from the U.S. National Development Team program were available, you know, and I thought Chevy might go there, especially with his fondness uh, for those USHL players. Moore and Perot are both very good players, but Chevy went with the Canadian kid for a change, and it looks like there might be a shift in thinking, and I'm all for it. Uh, it was hilarious. You know, I'm watching the draft with my buddy here, so I was a little bit uh, occupied. And uh, my buddy Ben from uh, Alberta called me and said, Barlow's still on the board. And I shook my head and looked quick. I, I couldn't believe he was still there. And as every pick was going by, I was getting more and more excited. And uh, <laughs> when Chevy selected Barlow, I actually jumped and screamed. That's probably the happiest I've been uh, since the Jets moved up on that draft lottery on the year they took Patrick Liney. So, uh, yeah, all in all, uh, yeah, you might say I was pleased. Uh, moving on to number four. The Jets had five picks in last week's entry draft, and I love the Colby Barlow and Thomas Millich selections. Now, I'm very intrigued by the Jets' third-round selection forward, Zach Nearing. Ah, Connor Levy, meh. Uh, but I did not get the Jacob Julian pick at all. Julian looks like a major project type of player that someone had belief in. And based on his numbers, why in the fifth round? You know, in a year where you only have five picks out of a possible seven, um, I was baffled by that. I mean, he's got big size, but man, you know, maybe it's because he played for the London Knights, but he played half the season in Junior B in the London Knights uh, you know, with their affiliate team. And he must be a project for them too, but somebody thought high enough of him to draft him. Um, anyway, well, that remains to be seen. You know, for the most part, guys getting drafted that late have a very small chance of making the NHL, but still, it looked like an opportunity loss for the Jets, in my opinion. Uh, let's go back to uh, Colby Barlow. We all know about him. Uh, Thomas Melich, I was absolutely thrilled to get him. I, we've been watching him for years. You know, he's, he's already been passed over two times through the draft. I don't get it. You know, all he does is win. Won a gold medal with, uh, with Team Canada U-20 program. Uh, he played on the U-18 teams. Seattle Thunderbirds won the WHL, and big reason was him. He, uh, he actually stoned the Winnipeg Ice and probably was the best player in that series. So he's getting another chance. Uh, you know, he's a six-foot goaltender, which I guess in today's standards uh, is small, but... Uh, Man, I really want to see him get a chance. I'd love to see him be a Winnipeg Jet in a couple of years. Uh, the other guys don't know a lot about them, so I'm not going to pretend to know. But I think what I'll do is next week I'll get a little more in-depth on the, on, the, on the player's draft. And by the way, Thomas Middleton will step right into pro hockey next year. I don't know if it'll be with the, the Moose or not, but uh, maybe he'll end up with the Jets ECHL team. But, uh, you know, he, he turns pro right away. Uh, let's go to number five. 
I thought Kevin Shevoldayoff did some tidy work on Saturday, re-upping Vladi Nemestikov for two more years and bringing back Laurent Brossois on a one-year deal. And actually another under-the-radar move was uh, Colin Delia on a, a one-way, one-year deal. <laughs> Chevy also signed Jeffrey Vial, who will definitely add some feistiness to the Jets' bottom six. Vial had a you know, decent scoring numbers in junior, and even decent numbers with San Jose's affiliate in the EHL, but it's his uh, penalty minutes that really stand out. He is also on a one-year, one-way contract. Uh, the thing I found puzzling about the uh, couple of the signings is both Delia and Brossois got uh, one-year deals on one-way contracts. Um, with Brossois, I guess with the Hellebuck rumors swirling, he decided to bet on himself and do a one-year deal. Uh, we, we know for sure one thing. At worst, he's going to be the Jets' backup this year. But if uh, Hellebuck moves on and Brossois actually becomes the Jets' number one, he'll be looking for a big bump in pay. So uh, that might be the reason there. Uh, I was a little surprised that VL's contract go uh, one year in one way too. But this is a guy that's going to be... Uh, you know, he's going to be a shit disturber in the bottom six. Um, the Jets need some, uh, a little bit of a backbone on the bottom end. Like, you know, I'm old school and I like these guys that are, well, he's tough. I mean, uh, he fights a lot. So we'll see what happens. I don't know how tough he actually is, but he does, uh, he'll throw down. So, uh, so the Jets got pushed around a lot of games last year, you know, especially within the division. So uh, um, it remains to be seen how good of a hockey player he is. Uh, like I said, his uh, his scoring numbers throughout his career, going all the way back to junior, were very decent. So it's not like he's a total plug. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to number six. As of today, Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck are still Winnipeg Jets, in spite of all the trade rumors swirling around them. Kevin Shevoldayoff said in a presser the other day that he is quite comfortable starting the season with both of them on the roster as they are a huge part of the team. You know, if teams want them, they will have to step up, just like we saw in the PLD trade to the Kings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and in that same pressure, presser, <laughs> not pressure, there, well, there is pressure for sure uh, to get something done with these guys. But uh, no, we still got two and a half months before the season starts. And, you know, and last week was a whirlwind for every team. You know, there was uh, the draft coming up, free agency two days later. Uh, I guess teams have to see what they have, what they drafted, what their needs are, um, how much salary cap space they have. And I don't doubt that these guys are still on the block because we hear every day the teams are rumored, like Boston and New Jersey, they're interested. But uh, we all know that uh, Chevy has patience and he ain't going to give away guys, you know, for, for dimes on the dollar. Um, he also said in that presser, which is where, which is where what I was getting to, was don't believe everything you hear. <laughs> you know, uh, what what's what you hear in in uh, the trade rumors and from uh, you know all the experts and the insiders and that uh, is one thing, and what he actually knows behind closed doors is another. Uh, like I said last week, even in my thoughts, uh, I just don't see any appetite to trade a forty-two goal scorer <laughs> just like that. You're not going to give him away, and I still think there's a chance that. Uh, you know, Mark Shifley could be extended and end his career in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm not so sure about Connor Hellebuck, though. You know, he's an American kid, 
probably wants to get back to the States. Uh, I know he said he wasn't interested in a rebuild. And it looks like the Jets really aren't in a rebuild. They're in a retool. Like, you know, what happens if the Jets uh, start the season with Helly and goal and they become a, you know, look like a decent team? Yeah, will that change his mind? Maybe. I know he wants to win. But uh, the, that's a problem with the, when once, a, once the American players get to a certain status where they're elite and they can call their own shots, I can't blame them for wanting to go back home. Uh, I mean, uh, Hellebuck has done his uh, duty for this city, and uh, I would have no problem seeing him go to a contender. I'd love to see him win. He's been the backbone of this franchise uh, since the day he took over the, you know, the starting job in net. So no ill will towards him. I have no ill will, Ill will towards Mark Shifley either. Like I said, he's still my favorite player. He's still our best center. And uh, 42 goals is nothing to sneeze at. You know, I'm not going to crap on Blake Wheeler, and we'll get to him later. But maybe with Blake Wheeler out of the way and out of the dressing room, there will be a shift in uh, in power and uh, in the room. And uh, I'm curious to see where uh, Mark Shifley lands. And like I say, don't believe everything you read. Um, there's still a lot of time to work this stuff out, and I'm very interested, very interested to see how this shakes down in the, in the next few months. Moving on to number seven, some Jets fans were wondering and perplexed why Chevy qualified uh, Leon Guanca, you know, after he bolted to the German league in a huff. Now that they've qualified him, the Jets still own his rights, and as it turned out uh, this weekend. They flipped those rights already to San Jose for a 22-year-old defenseman, Artemi Nazov. So uh, that's decent asset management and a a good job by Chevy. Nazov actually played uh, three years in the Quebec League for Chicoutimi. And uh, he's been playing for uh, San Jose's farm team, the Barracudas. Um, He's got decent numbers. Who knows where he fits into Jets' future plans, but... uh, no, but as of right now, the Jets have basically traded a Manitoba Moose for a Manitoba Moose, so he he can uh, take that spot with uh, on the Moose. So uh, you know, no no harm, no foul on that deal. Uh, number eight, a lot of Jets fans were wondering why teams that have no cap space are still signing players, and so I posted the tweet here. Uh, it was our, one of our guys from New York. Who's a who's a Jets fan? And I just he says I am. Am I the only one that doesn't understand the salary cap? The top teams, Florida, Avs, Canes, Rangers, Vegas, Wild, etc., are all right up at the cap, but are still signing players for over a million dollars. Whereas the Isles and Jets still struggling, but not signing many UFAs. And my response, I answered him and I said to him, you know, teams are allowed to go over the cap by ten percent during the off season. You know, as long as they're cap compliant by uh, the start of the year, and that the Jets' remaining money right now was allocated for their restricted free agents that need to be signed, and I also think that they're looking to move a defenseman or two to create some more cap space and roster space, making room for potentially a Villy Hinola or a Declan Chisholm. So, so there's still two months and lots of work to do. Yeah, I mean, look at the Leafs. They uh, they signed Tyler Bertuzzi, they signed Max Domi, and they're like $8 million over the cap. So uh, they got to move somebody, and I know Chevy's a kind of a GM that doesn't like operating that way because that puts a lot of pressure on you to, to dump salary, and you don't want to dump a good player. So 
like I say, uh, right now, William Nylander is still under contract for one more year, but something's going to give there, and uh, who are they going to move out? Uh, like I said, they're $8 million over the cap, so uh, not that I give a shit about what the Leafs' problems are, but uh, just figured I would point that out. Uh, yeah, it's not easy being a GM, and uh, obviously uh, Brad Treleving, uh, he must have something in the hopper, or or he's a riverboat gambler because that's a you know going ten percent over the caps of that's a, that's a plain chicken with the rest of the NHL as far as I'm concerned because now teams know that you're over and they they're gonna want to you know they're not gonna do you any favors and they're gonna want uh, they're gonna want some value in a deal if you're gonna try to dump some salaries so uh, once again it's all about asset management and uh, I understand what Chevy's doing. He's got to get his guy signed, and if he has money, I don't think Chevy's even finished this offseason. I think that uh, he'll sign some guys, and I, I know he's trying to move some of those defensemen. There's some big tickets on that back end that uh, are kind of a little bit of an anchor right now, but it's not easy. And there's still two and a half months left in the offseason. Uh, let's move on to the much-anticipated number nine. Uh, there has been lots of talk about Winnipeg Jets buying out the final year of Blake Wheeler's contract, and it became official on Friday. The team bought out the last year of his $8.25 million contract, with the buyout being two-thirds of his remaining salary, so it turned out that the buyout was uh, $5.5 million that goes straight into his pocket. <laughs> so the team will save $2.75 million on the original dollar figure, and they will have a cap penalty of 2.75 for the next two seasons. But they gained $5.5 million of very valuable cap space for the upcoming season. Well, and it didn't take Blake Wheeler long to find employment. Saturday, he signed a kind of like a minimum contract with the Rangers. So it's basically, uh, I mean, at 36 years old, he's still got uh, lots of hockey left in him. And don't get me wrong, it's... <laughs> The Jets, I mean, he was still productive. And it wasn't like the Jets wanted to get rid of him because of his play. It was about the culture that was created in that dressing room. And, you know, with him being the captain, he took the brunt of it in previous years. You know, the captaincy was stripped this year. But as we heard in the year-end pressers, you know, almost player to player said that he was still the captain in that room and the the guy he followed. So, and he kind of led that little bit of a, a team mutiny against Rick Bonus when he called him out for, uh, you know, singling out their play in public and that. So that was, that's right there was the end of Blake. It was uh, pretty clear he wasn't coming back. He sounded like a guy that wasn't coming back. And we all know that the Jets did try to trade him last year and there was no takers. So the thing I found funny, and I tweeted this uh, at the end of this, uh, this thought that, uh, in Blake Wheeler's two most productive seasons where he had 91 points, he was a bargain at $5.6 million. So you got to take these things into context. You know, the extension that he got was probably a little too long. The dollar figure was fair. What happens with a lot of these very good aging players um, is they get topped up and they get paid a little bit for past performance when he was probably underpaid at 5.6 for the elite type of player he was. So it all comes out in the wash, and uh, yeah, the Jets got burnt a little bit. They uh, they gave him a little bit too much term, probably. You know, once you're getting into those mid-30s, uh, you know, guys start slowing down. Now, I kind of figure he'll be useful like a Joe Pavelski in Dallas. Uh, 
you go into maybe a secondary role and you're still going to put up good numbers. You know, you're not relied upon to drive the team. That's for the younger guys. But you can still be useful on the power play and on a second, third line role, whatever. So good luck to Blake. Um, I don't know if you caught it. He did a, a farewell message on uh, Twitter that was it was posted the video it was very classy and uh very um humbling and i would say very sincere so you know outside of blake's early years where i didn't really like him all that much uh he was a good warrior for the jets he gave everything he had to the city and i look forward to the day when they hang his number 26 from the rafters and now we move on to number 10 my odds and ends <laughs> This one, this one is a head shaker, head scratcher. You know, I love Ryan Reeves. He's a Winnipegger. But Toronto giving him a three-year contract at his age is absolute managerial malpractice. What the hell was Tree Levin thinking? Um, you know, he's a fourth-line guy. I mean, he's still the toughest hombre in, in the league. But a three-year deal? I mean, this guy has been notorious for signing... You know, one-year deals and bouncing around, but with a three-year deal? Come on, Brad, that's uh, that's not good. Uh, next, the book is now closed on the Andrew Kopp trade with the Jets, uh, with the Jets using the final asset from that deal, the fifth-rounder, and they selected Thomas Millage. So the net result of that deal is Andrew Kopp and the Jets' 2023 six-round pick and the Rangers uh, used that pick to select Ty Hendricks. The Jets received Morgan Barron, Brad Lambert, who was the conditional pick uh, in that deal. That was the Rangers' first-round pick last year. They got <laughs> Elias Solomonson. That was St. Louis's second pick, and that was one of the conditional picks in that trade. And, of course, like I said, they got Millich with... Uh, the fifth rounder this year. I'd say that's a pretty darn good haul. Um, the Jets made out like a bandit for, you know, Andrew Kopp, who was, I, a lot of people liked him. I didn't. I was never a Kopp fan. Um, I, I, you know, I understood what his game was, but to me, he was always overrated offensively. Um, look at his numbers last year in Detroit and look at the money he's making. Uh, the Jets made the right decision moving on from him. Um, although it wasn't actually their choice, uh, they did want him to stay, but they just didn't have the cap space at the time. So if, whatever, it's done. It's over with. So we can, can close the door on that deal. Um, <laughs> just an FYI, and I like to always throw this out there, but uh, you know, Vegas won the Stanley Cup, and they had uh, you know 15 Canadians on their team. So just saying, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to the Jets' first rounder this year, Colby Barlow. You know. Barlow was the first 17-year-old captain in Owen Sound's history. That's pretty impressive for a guy to come in in his first full season and be the captain of a, you know, a major junior team at that age. Uh, very, very impressive. And uh, actually, too, it's uh, kind of funny. The, the Jets have this penchant for drafting uh, the scholastic players in the leagues. You know, So Colby Barlow was a scholastic player. Um, I believe uh, the Jets' last final pick, the seventh rounder, uh, uh, Levi from uh, Kamloops, was a, a WHL scholastic player, and we all know that uh, you know Josh Morrissey and uh, Adam Lowry were scholastic players of the year too. So uh, it looks like the Jets like their uh, cerebral guys, I guess. 
The thing I found funny about, I want to go back to that last tweet where I, or the last thought I had where I said, you know, Vegas had 15 Canadians on this team. And it was funny. I think one of the, uh, the junior hockey prospect scouting gurus is Sam Costantino. This guy knows his junior hockey like nothing. And it was really eye-opening to hear a guy that's got no skin in the game. Also, you know, he mentioned that, you know, the Jets need to draft more Canadians and especially more from the WHL. And I thought that was an eye-opener because, you know, we get a lot of flack. You know, and I get when it comes down to the, you, you do your draft board, you pick the next best guy up. Um, like we'll say this year, the Jets probably had Barlow up around 10 or so. So when he fell into their lap, for them, it was probably a no-brainer, right? But, you know, the motive is always to, to sign the best player. And you don't base it on nationality or whatever. But you know what? There's just something to be said for the Canadian players. And you know I'm pro-Canadian. You know I'm pro-WHL. I, I'm not going to stop explaining that or, or apologizing for it. I love the fact that our CHL players are trained the same way as NHL players are. They play a similar schedule. It's a grind to go through the playoffs. You've got to win four series to win your league. It's not this crap Frozen Four where you're one and done. That's horseshit. Even the Memorial Cup has got more, uh, more games involved than the Frozen Four. But in saying that, you can tell I was pretty pretty pumped by the jet selections this year and it's nice to get a couple canadian kids on the roster or in the you know in the program and uh, don't get me wrong i mean i was pretty happy with the rutger mcgrordy pick a couple years ago uh chaz lucius same thing i got no problem against american hockey players um i just uh i just like my whl and my uh, my chl guys a little bit better Oh, and one more thing. Um, the Jets development camp is actually starting this uh, Wednesday on ice sessions and they'll run till Saturday. So if you get a chance, get out to the uh, complex and uh, have a look at the, the young guys we just drafted. They're all going to be there. But in saying that, I think it's time to wrap her up for today. Um, I want to thank all the regulars that come back and listen. I, you know, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm a little off the rails and I mean, you're not always going to agree with what I say, but at least I tell you what I think, and it's the truth. Uh, not wishy-washy, for sure. Um, you know where you can find the podcast, at the home, WinnipegHockeyTalk.com. I post them on Twitter all the time. You can also find them at uh, most of the regular podcast sites, you know, like uh, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Deezer, etc., 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 so uh, tell your friends. Um, like to see the numbers go up a little bit, have more people listening. But uh, I enjoy doing this for you guys and for the regulars. Like I say again, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back next week. And maybe we'll look at uh, a little more in-depth into some of the Jets picks this week. I didn't really get into it that much, but uh, that's something for next week. So uh, till then, we'll see you later.